Roger that, Houston. All systems spied by five. But what if there is no tomorrow? There wasn't one today. Fascinating. Get away from her, you bitch! Welcome to the Nerdfest podcast. Today we've got Dan Watkins, Andy Chandler, Peter Johnson, John Farthing, and I'm Hazel Burton. On our show today, we've got some brand new recommendations, including Zombieland Double Tap, the new Jack Ryan series, and Terminator Dark Fate. Using the word recommendations there in the sarcastic tone. In the sarcastic. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We've also got a quiz, which has been devised by Dan. Yes, it is a quiz about exposition and movies that require a lot of it before they start. This is famously Basil Exposition from Austin Powers, <laughs> who turns up and gives the plot. Yes. Awesome. Let's start the show. So, on to our recommendations section, and this is where we talk about things that we've been enjoying recently. Dan, what have you been enjoying? I have recently started season two of Amazon's Jack Ryan series, starring John Krasinski as the CIA agent slash analyst slash lecturer slash everything at Jack Ryan. Uh, we binge watched season one a few months ago and really enjoyed that. Uh, good, interesting plot. Felt a little bit like the good seasons of 24 before it got too ridiculous. And I think it came in for a bit of criticism at the time for the fact that the villains were all Middle Eastern people of Muslim mm. heritage. The second season doesn't have that to worry about because it's set in Venezuela and the Russians are involved and all the usual Tom Clancy-style enemies are there and Jack's in the thick of it all with plot twists and betrayals and shootouts galore and he's got to get his way out of it. And it's just really enjoyable, hour-at-a-time TV that makes you want to watch the next episode when the last one finishes. This is the guy from The Office. This is John Krasinski, director of A Quiet Place, Mm, uh, Mm -hmm. most famous for The Office, which I think actually helps him a little bit in getting the character of Jack Ryan over, because he shows that he's really capable, but at the same time, he can make it feel like he's out of his depth, Mm -hmm. which helps keep Ryan a bit less of a Mary Sue and a bit more relatable. Krasinski having that background where you know him best as Jim from The Office is a help more than a hindrance, much like when you watch Martin Freeman He's got this quality to him because of how you best know him that means you can get on board a little bit more than if it was, for example, a Hemsworth. Mm. <laughs> I'd love to get on board a Hemsworth. <laughs> I'm sure you would. <laughs> What's a Hemsworth? About 20 quid. About 20 quid. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so like, what's the grease you earn? <laughs> Not much in this economy. Correct. It was how do you make Lady Gaga cry? Poker face. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, so Jack Ryan. Yeah. I, I was a bit put off by reviews at the time because I really liked A Quiet Place. Don't really know him from The Office, but the word I'd heard on the first season wasn't great. Uh, so it sounds like you're saying it's worth, definitely worth a go. Yeah, I think so. Like I say, we watched it just a couple of months ago, so it had been a year or two since it had been out, and I don't really remember the reviews mm-hmm. from the first season at the time. So looking through Amazon, what should we watch? Jack Ryan, John Krasinski, we like him. Let's try it. And by the end of episode one, if you don't want to watch episode two, it's probably not for you. But there's enough that will hook you in, I think, that makes it worth a weekend spent Mm. on catching up on it all. I hated 24. (gasps) So will I not enjoy this? Was was that because it was completely implausible? 
I just uh, well, the, the whole the, of twenty four. Yeah, the right wing politics really annoyed me. I'm not a massive Keith Sutherland fan. You never saw him have a pee. Um, <laughs> lots of things wrong with it. I don't think it was right wing. Well, um, it's, a bit I the... can, it's a bit jingoistic. Jingoistic 24. is probably yeah. the term yeah. I'm looking for. Jack Ryan does get away with that a little bit more because a lot of the operations they're involved in are international. Mm-hmm. So they're using people based in South America in season two, are using the French authorities working alongside them. And it's a lot more globetrotting than 24 ever was due to the nature of the real time. And Keith Sutherland is not in it, which could help. Is it episodic? In that there are episodes. <laughs> in that, so is season one one long story or yes. is it a, it's a villain of the week? Season one is one long arc and there are inciting incidents mm-hmm. in each episode that make it feel like something consequential has happened in each episode. There's not a filler. Mm-hmm. How does John Krasinski compare to actors who've briefly taken on the role of Jack Ryan? Um, so there's Chris Pine, uh, Harrison oh, Ford, obviously, yeah. and um, like Ben Baldwin. Affleck. Alec Baldwin as well. Who was Alec Baldwin? Alfred October. Oh, of course. Yes. I didn't even know Chris Pine was. Yes, yeah. he, uh, him and Kieran Knightley did a reboot about six or seven years ago. Wonder Woman aside, I can't really get on board with Chris Pine as a leading man. I just spent 30 seconds trying to remember who he was. Yeah, <laughs> that one I haven't seen. I remember quite enjoying the Sum of All Fears, but I wouldn't have remembered it was a Jack Ryan film. No, uh, Harrison Ford is great because he's Harrison Ford, and Hunt for Red October I remember more for Sean Connery than Alec Baldwin, to be honest. So in terms of Jack Ryan's, I think the TV format helps him stand out as a character more because you're following him and getting more invested with him over a longer time, like you would with a book. Yeah. I think I was, it sounds right up my street, I love 24, but I think I was a little bit put off by the marketing because it looked like a very generic action series, um, nothing new about it, and I wasn't particularly invested in seeing something like that. I don't know whether there's anything innovative and new about it, but it's very, very well done, it's well plotted, it's well characterised, and it's, I guess, like reading a Tom Clancy book. You kind of know what you're going to get. But it's done at a level where you enjoy it, even if you have read it before. Mm -hmm. So it's not going to change the world, but it's good comfort TV. Absolutely, yeah. If your to-watch list is getting a little bit shorter and you want something to add to it, I would heartily recommend Jack Ryan. Mm, Cool. Cool. Sadly, my watch list is getting longer and longer by the week. (laughs) Too too much TV. That's not a problem. (laughs) Peter, what have you got? I've just seen uh, Zombieland Double Tap. Anyone seen that? Nope. Not yet. It occurs to me that is a film designed entirely to be watched on cable in six months' time. <laughs> You're doing it again, John, aren't you? Prejudging. <laughs> yes. So as soon as someone, <laughs> well, as soon as I say something, <laughs> you then always pop in with why it's a shit thing to watch and you should never watch it. Exactly. <laughs> you do that every time. Oh, <laughs> wait, wait till Terminator will jump uh, in before he gets uh, his yeah. sentence out. <laughs> but I'm sure you enjoy it, Peter. I did, yeah. I think it's best summarised as more of the same which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's not one of these sequels that expands it and makes the world twice as big. But if you enjoyed the first one, then I think you have a pretty good idea of what you're going to get in the second one. Uh, it reunites all four of the original cast, same director, same screenwriters, who since Zombieland have had quite a bit of success with the Deadpool movies. So it's Woody Harrelson, Jesse Eisenberg, Emma Stone, and Abigail Breslin, who is pretty much unrecognisable now with the 10 years intervening between Zombieland and now. She must be early 20s, maybe mm-hmm. now. Yeah. 
don't tell me you didn't check online, Peter. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> and now there are different sorts of zombies as well. Some faster zombies, some more intelligent zombies, who are called T-800s because they're a bit more like Terminators. They keep going and they're harder to kill. The main group of them are now all living as a family, as it were, in the White House. Emma Stone and Jesse Eisenberg have a bit of a falling out. She and Abigail Breslin's character go off, and he then finds this rather ditzy girl called Madison in a shopping mall, one of the two major new characters they've added. And it sounds like a really annoying thing, but it's not. There's quite a bit of fun comes from the character without looking down on the character too much, which is always a risk with a stupid character. <laughs> I wasn't really aware of the actress before, who's called Sui Deutsch. But her mum is Leah Thompson from Back to the Future. I'm Howard the Duck. <laughs> and uh, her dad's Howard Deutsch, who directed Pretty in Pink. Mm. So she has a bit of pedigree. <laughs> There's one bit in the middle where, and this is in the trailer, so it's not a spoiler, but they run into characters who are effectively clones of them. Luke Wilson is like a, an equivalent character to Woody Harrelson. It's slightly disappointing they didn't get Eric Serra to, to double for... Michael Serra. Michael uh, Yes, sorry. My, yeah, Eric Serra is the musician, does the Luc Besson movies. That would be good if they got him in. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> they just accidentally hired that guy for the new series of Arrested Development. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was quite shoddy, wasn't it? Nobody would have noticed. <laughs> didn't watch it. Exactly. And that's the double for Jesse Eisenberg. But obviously the gag in a way is that everyone always confuses the two actors. I always have mm. to sort mm. of rethink which one of them it was in Scott Pilgrim, for example. I don't. I've watched Scott Pilgrim a lot of times. I used to have Scott Pilgrim on Blu-ray. <laughs> well done. <laughs> yeah, disappeared. Um, oh, Hazel, Hazel, Hazel's got a copy that she can lend you. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Anytime. Oh, excellent. Thank you. Hardly used. <laughs> <laughs> There's one or two fantastic action sequences in it. One quite long sequence in a motel where they run from room to room and swap between fights between different characters. And the whole thing feels like one sweeping thing through a single location. And it's so well done. It's really good. It's hard to believe it's the guy who directed Venom. Because it's so much better a movie. <laughs> Overall, it feels like revisiting old friends or putting on a comfy pair of trousers. You're back with a sort of group that you've enjoyed spending time with and you want to spend time with again. So I think it's worthwhile. My, my thing for it is, I don't know anybody who was desperate for a Zombieland sequel. It feels Peter. like it was a, a nice, pleasant film that told a nice story. And you say the, 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 the nice characters, but is that enough for the film to exist? Cause there was a TV series a while back, or the pilot for the TV uh -huh. series. And I think I would have rather seen a TV series just spending time in that world and with those characters. But that pilot didn't work because the characters were wrong. The, mm -hmm. the people playing them, presumably. Was it the same characters but recast? I believe so, yeah. And in this case, you've gone back to the same actors, mm -hmm. who in most cases have had a lot more success in Zombieland as well. Yeah, I think the director pointed out in an interview that since Zombieland was made, three out of four of them have had Oscar nominations. Mm -hmm. mm. So it must have taken a while to line up all the schedules yeah. to get all four of them back, which mm. maybe is why it didn't happen soon. It probably said something that they all wanted to come back and do it as well. Yeah. Which is, you know, shows that they all have some good feeling towards it. But I don't know anyone who didn't like Zombieland. Yes, I've, you've, I've yeah. seen it three or four times, probably, over the ten years. I don't know anybody that didn't like Zombieland, but I bet there's nobody on the planet who would say Zombieland is their favourite film. If Zombieland is your favourite film, uh, do tweet into us. <laughs> do, do you remember what you said to me when I confessed that I'd never seen Zombieland? And I did it for a shameful gap. 
Uh, yeah. Was it burn her? It was burn her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ironically, with yeah. venom. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. John, do you remember when you make broad sweeping statements on the podcast and it easily proved wrong? Black Panther, Black Panther, Black, Black Panther. Panther. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I do. I'm, I'm hoping we now get hundreds of tweets with Zombie Land is my favourite film. It'd be like Ruby Fisher will do one, Woody Harrelson will do one. <laughs> um, so, Peter, I remember watching Zombie Land and I remember enjoying it, mm. but I don't remember a lot of what happened in it exactly will i need <laughs> to have watched it more recently to enjoy double tap or will i get caught up in the film itself you would probably be okay watching just the second one especially if you had just a vague memory of the mm-hmm. first one but it's also a great film the first one so i'd watch it again yeah. anyway <laughs> so as long as you remember the characters and the relationships yeah, between that's them pretty much all you need yeah cool oh. does it have a big cameo the equivalent of bill Murray i know the, the cameo one? and people will be happy okay I was spoiled about that, which made me sad, but... And that was, still wasn't enough to make you go. Now I know that. Well, I say, I, I really like Zombieland. What? You would have gone if you didn't know that was there, but now you know it's well, there. You're not going to go because you now know it's there. Well, I, no, I've, I wasn't going to go, but I was looking forward to watching it on TV in a few months' time. Mm. And I feel sad that that little treat that I would have got when I watched it on TV has been taken away from me. <laughs> right, okay. So, yeah, in case it's not obvious, um, because it's not a Marvel movie, the thing is, just stick around at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. And how many zombies out of ten would you give it? Uh, probably eight zombies. So it's good, it's well mm. worth seeing. Good I don't expect world shattering, but that's not really what it has to be to be good. Yeah. Cool. Andy, what have you got? I would like to recommend a short film called The Fall. Uh, it's by director Jonathan Glazer, and it's currently available on BBC iPlayer. Oh, I've seen this. It's amazing. It is, isn't it? Mm. Uh, It premiered on BBC Two at 10pm on Sunday the 27th of October, completely unannounced and unexplained. Uh, So people that tuned in to see Live at the Apollo were instead greeted by a seven-minute-long dialogue-free film in which a masked mob hang a man in a forest at night. It's really tense, it's creepy, it's got a nightmarish feel to it, uh, and it's a wonderful example of Jonathan Glazer's visual style. It has an original score by Mika Levi, um, who did the score for Under the Skin, and this helps to recapture the same dark artistry that we got in Under the Skin in 2013. Uh, oh, it's the same director, is it? Yes. I should have mentioned that at the start. Um, yeah, it, it, it's very brief, as I say, only seven minutes, including uh, the, the credits, um, but it's uh, captivating. I really wish it was just a snippet of something longer to come later. It's not the case, sadly, but... It has inspired me to seek out Jonathan Glazer's other work. Since this includes Sexy Beast, which is the 2000 film prominently featuring Ray Winston in a Speedo, I hope you can appreciate just how interesting I found it. (laughs) Um, So uh, use it as a taster for Jonathan Glazer. Um, If you don't like it, you've only lost seven minutes. If you do like it, go watch Under the Skin because that is phenomenal. Totally, it's closest to Under the Skin, I would say, out of Jonathan Glazer's work. Which is a weird film. I enjoyed it, but it's very strange. And not what you expected Scarlett Hansen to be doing. Mm-hmm. I know when I turned on for live at the Apollo and instead got seven minutes of unsettling violence and horror ending with a man being hanged, I was hoping it was Michael McIntyre's last <laughs> set ever. <laughs> so did it then show Night at Apollo afterwards? It did, yeah. Oh, okay. Any other questions? <laughs> no, I just wondered how people yeah. reacted to that. Were they, what the hell's happening? Or? I don't know. I didn't bother to find out what other people think because I tend not not to care. Am I, <laughs> was it done as a Halloween-y thing? What, with the, the date it was broadcast, was it a little scary treat like the Inside mm. Number 9 live special I last year? 
hadn't even thought about that, but very probably. And did they make it clear the expected show was coming later? No, they, they just played this weird thing. <laughs> For the uh, Inside Number 9 special on BBC last year, a little way through, it sort of pretends they've lost transmission and they've gone back to showing an old programme, and apparently 25% of their audience turned off at that point. Which is a hell of a risk to take And they take were so again. happy with that, though, weren't they? They were really happy that I had Well, they that say effect. they're happy with that. <laughs> is there anyone of note in the cast? Uh, no one that I recognised. Does that add to the unsettling feel of it all? You, you can't recognise any of them. They're all wearing strange, almost cartoonish, slightly grotesque masks. They're all anonymous, effectively, and it just kind of presents a slightly blank canvas to project your own impressions on. It's creepy. It sounds creepy. Mm. Good. Sounds good. Yeah. Have we all seen Under the Skin? No. No. Go, go see it. Let, all right, Hazel, let's go. Watch yeah. it now. No. John's recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's one of Louise's favourite films of like the last 10 years, if, if you take a Louise recommendation. You thought, you're wondering how Zombieland <laughs> could be anyone's favourite film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it is quite unique, so that it's, doesn't make yeah. sense. It goes to some very strange places. Glasgow. Glasgow, yes. (laughs) (laughs) The funny thing is, though, it was unrehearsed, so it's Galt Johansson would go around and knock on windows and talk to truck drivers and try and get them to have sex with her. And nobody went, hang on, you're Scarlett Johansson. Or presumably they did, but they're... Glasgow? It's the last thing they were doing. Hang on, you're Scarlett Johansson, you (laughs) (laughs) That's my Glaswegian. But she did the best English accent by an American actor I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. And she had a different haircut, and it's it's enough. Yeah, I guess you would not expect Scarlett Johansson to be knocking on your truck window and inviting you for sex in the middle of Glasgow, so there's enough cognitive dissonance there. It's like the Clark Kent Superman thing. Yeah, those days are way behind her. Okay. Mm. Right. <laughs> uh, Hazel, what have yeah. you been watching? Um, <laughs> it's just kind of, yeah, I'll do anything to be black widow, you daft wee funny. <laughs> <laughs> Just amuse me. (laughs) I would like to recommend, um, because I wasn't expecting to like it at all, it's not my kind of thing, um, but I really enjoyed it. It's the first episode of His Dark Materials. Mm. Woo! It's this new fantasy series on uh, the BBC. It's based, obviously, on the series of novels by um, Philip Pullman. And it's set in an alternative world whereby the main characters, they have companions called demons and it's effectively your soul manifested as an animal. And it can be anything from a monkey to a fox to um, a squirrel. To a snow leopard, depending on uh, your personality traits. So society is dominated by a religious organisation called the Magisterium. The world has got a bit of a steampunk vibe and it's uh, got zeppelins as the main mode of transport. To take a normal shot of something and make it obvious that it's not now, it seems the standard thing is stick a zeppelin in the sky, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. I love a zeppelin. The story follows a character of Lyra, who's played by Daphne Keane, who was the girl in Logan and who was amazing in Logan. And um, she is very, very watchable in this too. She's a young orphan girl. She's about 11 years old. Um, and she lives at Jordan College in Oxford, and she's got this sense of yearning for adventure. In the first episode, her friend Roger is kidnapped by this shady group called the Gobblers, which brings her into um, what I'm hoping could be is a, a big long tale of conspiracy theories and dark corners, you know, world-changing revelations. 
it's an eight episode series so we're only one in but i wanted to recommend it because i really 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 liked it its world building was um lovely and deep it was intriguing and it just got me really excited to watch the last of the episodes mm, yeah. I t- so i take it you haven't read the books Nope, I'm coming into this completely clean. Uh, Dan, have you seen the I books? have. I remember trying to read the books when I was about 12 and not really getting into them. And then I went back to them when I was at uni, so probably about 1920, and remember loving them. You were at uni in 1920? In 1920, yes, I was. I'm a time traveller um, in an alternate world. Makes no. so much sense. When I was 19 or 20 <laughs> years old, uh, I went back to them and really, really enjoyed them. The first two books, Northern Lights and The Subtle Knife especially, are fantastic. I thought the third book got a little bit bogged down in the religious aspect of it all and ended in such a way that I was so personally dissatisfied by it I had to headcanon my own ending so mm. that it was a bit happier um, without Human spoiling Human dinosaur anything. hybrids <laughs> Yeah, they're all clones um, Yeah, but up till that point the first two books particularly are really good uh, Do we think this is adapting the first book? Yes, first series is the first book Yeah, the and second series has already been commissioned based yeah. on The Subtle Knife and so far, I am loving the series as well. Yeah. It's really mm. well done. As Hazel says, the world building is stupendous. Like You can believe it's an alternate world, but it's got enough connections to our own that it doesn't feel alien yeah. at all. The demons are perfectly done. I want a demon. What would your <laughs> demon be, Hazel? Ooh, um, a cat, probably. A cat. <laughs> Mine would be Salacious Crumb from Return of the Jedi. <laughs> Wacky and monkey lizards, that sounds about right. It's really well cast. Clark Peters from The Wire is the master of Jordan College. James McAvoy's in it with his snow leopard. Mm-hmm. Lin-Manuel Miranda shows up in the next episode. Does he? He does. He plays Lee Scoresby, the aviator, which is the only bit of casting, much as I love Lin-Manuel Miranda, that I was a little bit unsure of mm. because the casting of that character is the only thing that the 2007 film got right because it was Sam Elliott. Right. Have you seen that film then? I have. Is it as bad as they say? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it was as bad as they say, but it's still bad. Yeah, don't bother with it. I, yeah. That was the only thing that annoyed me at the end of the episode was they played you a preview of um, future episodes yeah, the, featuring Lynn Manuel Miranda, and it's just like that's just showing too much. I'd yeah, it not. felt like they showed about half the episode. Yeah. Yeah. I mm. really wouldn't well, expect you... him to show up until maybe episode four or five, because yeah. he's not. That early on in the story. So, so what we've seen is like the whole series. Great. <laughs> what I will I mean, say. We always just turn it off. If we know we're going to watch a thing, we never watch the trailing stuff. Yeah. Mm. I was expecting a little 10 to 30 second sneak peek, but mm. it turned oh. out to be a full trailer. Yeah. It was seven hours long. It literally was the best <laughs> of the series. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, as I say, it's not really my kind of thing, um, but it totally took me by surprise. I thought it would be your kind of thing. In my head, I put the books like in the same Harry Potter kind of... Yeah, they came out around Mm. the same time as Harry Potter was really hitting big, Mm. but before the Potter films came out, and they kind of marketed them as if you're a bit younger, the Harry Potter ones are the ones to start with. If you're a bit older, read his dark Mm -hmm. materials. Mm. And if you're a grown-up... And if you're going to read them all, because um, Harry Potter had adult editions, um, yeah. not that kind of adult edition, in John. Plain uh, brown. Different, yeah. different covers, and that was all. Yes, yeah, so I used to hide my copy of Harry Potter inside uh, inside Vazel, so I wasn't embarrassed <laughs> reading it in public. But yeah, I'm excited for the rest of the series. Mm, great. 
All right, John, let us have it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to recommend a Nicolas Cage film called Primal, but I only had a chance to watch the first 20 minutes last night. So you got, for our next recommendation, to look forward to a film where Nicolas Cage fights both a white tiger and a terrorist while trapped on a boat. It's a wild threat <laughs> if you have to. <laughs> <laughs> But this week I have been watching a reboot of a reboot or another alternative That's a pair of boots a pair of boots <laughs> yes i have seen terminator dark fate Ugh. so <laughs> <laughs> sorry continue you see i thought that was a terrible idea because they shouldn't keep doing th- oh, john's now smiling because i'm deliberately doing exactly what he was doing to me well i i also thought it was a terrible idea but then it can't be as bad an idea as Terminator Genesis or Terminator Salvation or... Stop there. Terminator 3 is not that bad. Terminator 3 is a terrible movie with a great ending. It's a fun movie with a great ending and some really stupid stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Dark Fate. Uh, but Terminator 3 no longer <laughs> <Dark> exists. <laughs> Terminator 3 no longer exists. This is the new Terminator 3. Until they reboot it again because this one's failing because it's terrible. Yes. <laughs> um, it's safe to say Andy has also seen this film and has a slightly different opinion to me they've done the Halloween trick of none of the films after Terminator 2 exist anymore in this timeline we've gone clear we're following on from Terminator 2 and we open up the story after a brief code which we shall not discuss for spoilery reasons we pick up in the present day in Mexico a young girl is going about her business. Um, a Terminator appears, starts shooting the shit out of her and her family. Mackenzie Davis, who is best known for Catch and Escape, was it? A halt and Catch Fire, I think it's called. Appears to save her. Um, she is from the future. Is she a cyborg? Is she a human? Is she something in between? We will find out. And as they are losing the battle with their Terminator friend, who else turns up but Linda Hamilton? Yeah! Several decades older, but still kicking ass. And we have different opinions about the film. But Andy, if you say that Linda Hamilton wasn't great in it, then... She was. I mm-hmm. like Linda Hamilton. Love seeing Sarah Connor back. And she absolutely storms it. She owns the film. It's almost a little bit like Joker, where you've got an average film lifted by a really, really great performance. And how do they shoehorn Arnie into it? So... <laughs> Presuming they do. Yes. We're going to have to tread carefully here as to why Arnie returns... But it's safe to say that Arnie is back and he is a Terminator who has aged. Become incredibly fond of curtain drapes. Right. Mm. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a great thing for an action movie. It's one of those jokes where he just, like, this will be funny, like, the fourth time I say it, I promise. Okay. <laughs> now, I did read recently that he kept pressuring James Cameron to include more jokes in the original Terminator. And he wanted a scene where he went into a fridge, drank a beer and got drunk and fell over. And Cameron told him no. So uh, Cameron <laughs> yeah. was right. Yeah, James Cameron had limited involvement in this, didn't he? Maybe he should have been only a producer, m- more involved. He's a producer and a story by, along with about four other people. But apparently he re- rewrote it quite heavily during the shooting, but never actually visited the set because he was busy on Avatar. And he's just in an interview where he said, basically, there was a lot of arguments over the edit. And the suggestion is that it's not the edit he would have gone with, I think is implied. Mm. I suspect I know the moment where he kind of walked off and it was probably halfway through because that's the point where the film dips very mm-hmm. heavily. When they find Arnie or before then. Before, actually, I would say yeah. the moment where they're crossing the border. Um, yeah. is the moment where the film takes a bit of a tumble. Mm-hmm. A lot of very wedged-in political imagery. You know, there's a place for it, but it just feels very out of place. Um, but yes, Arnie is a 
old Terminator who has been around for several decades and has learnt empathy and warmth because apparently androids can develop. He's got a wife and the wife has a kid from a previous marriage. Does she know he's a robot? No. No. What? They, their relationship is not physical, so yes. she hasn't um, felt the robot love yet. <laughs> There's a podcast. She should later. try it. <laughs> we do know that Terminators are fully physically correct. That's um, data, isn't it? In, in Terminator 2, when it was re-released on Blu-ray, they HD'd it all up. You can see a little bit of Arnie penis that was meant to be in the shadows. I've seen that, yeah. yes. So, so what you couldn't see on the old thing, now it's they've like cleaned it up. walking towards a screen where it's like flip-flopping up. Yes. <laughs> and also at the start of Terminator 2, you get just a smidgen of Robert Patrick Scroton. Do you? <laughs> a smidgen of Scroton is just enough to give yourself a treat. <laughs> <laughs> is this review more or less entertaining than the film uh, it's about as entertaining um so i i, I enjoyed it um it uh, i'm gonna sound hypocritical here i said it does nothing new um <laughs> never normally bothers you what it very much does is it's, it's the force awakens halloween school of semi-sequels semi-remakes semi-reboots so essentially it retells the story of Terminator very broadly. Um, it takes action beats from the first two, so you've got a big battle on a highway, you've got the climactic battle in a factory. Uh, it, it retells the story of a battle to save somebody who will be important in the future. It even takes some things from the real Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. What does it take from that? Uh, the, the kind of the style of the Terminator having mm -hmm. uh, the, the the metal skeleton and then a kind of wibbly wobbly exterior that can um, copy people's appearance by touching them. Yeah, and and also uh, the method of um, killing it. Yeah, mm -hmm. is that'll be a spoiler. We should probably cut that out. I don't think it's a spoiler to say the that evil is potentially vanquished with just enough left over for a sequel if it had done better at the box office. <laughs> it hasn't done particularly well, has it? been a massive flop uh, and i reckon it's going to lose about 120 million by the time all is said and done so andy why is that massive flop and loss of money justified there's just not a lot to it it's it's all style no substance i felt it has uh, a lot of set pieces um a lot of flash a lot of spectacle but not much in the way of story I love that Linda Hamilton is back, but it's not her story. And she f feels a little bit superfluous, considering there's mm -hmm. uh, Grace M Mackenzie Davis's character is there. Don't necessarily need two protectors. Well, three when Arnie gets involved. The main character, I felt, didn't have much of an arc. Um, she, she started in one place and ended in another place, but the transition just seemed very sudden, as if a switch had been flipped and now I am the fully developed character and we go to the end. Hazel, you didn't like it, but didn't hate it quite as much as no, I, I did. I was enjoying it um, up until about halfway. And then I think at that point, the CGI started to kick in a little bit. And the CGI in the first two Terminator films, even though you know they're 20, 30 years older, far, far superior. Um, it didn't help that we watched it in a cinema, which, I don't know, makes everything really, really dark. So some of the scenes we couldn't see. This is the Sunny world. Yeah. Yes. Let's name and shame. Cineworld in Newcastle. Buy some fucking lights for your projectors. Yeah. The lobby is much nicer now than mm -hmm. it used to be, though. Yeah, 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 it Good is. But, um Yeah, probably about a third of the film in the end was under complete darkness. And I was like really squinting to find out who the characters were. Yeah. It looked like... You remember like Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring? They hadn't really 
figured out how to do uh, Legolas when he was like jumping around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, the characters look like that. Wow. Mm-hmm. And it has the Marvel thing as well of no matter what they do in the first two thirds, the last third has got to be a big half hour battle uh. with far too much CGI and yeah. one thing toppling another thing. Yeah. It just got tiresome when he just kept coming back and back and back. And I know that's kind of the point in a Terminator, but mm-hmm. it's just like, it, it I'm too bored now. Oh, well, that hasn't killed him. Nothing will. Oh, well, that didn't kill him. Nothing will. Oh, that killed him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it, it took me out of it. Yeah. Um, it, it reminded me, actually, that he's another but Patrick. Yeah. Um, I think I shared something on the Twitter feed recently where yeah. there's just a clip of Robert Patrick running Sprinting. after Edward Furlong yeah. with no sign of being out of breath and not blinking or anything. Apparently, he trained himself to do that. Yeah. It's just such a good performance. Absolutely. The introduction of the Terminators has been very important. The bad guys in the films need to do something bad at the start so that you know that they're a bad guy. Your first impression of this guy is, well, yeah, I know he's a Terminator, but he's not done anything yet. Mm -hmm. He he could be a nice Terminator for all I know. And then in the first fight scene that he's in, he actually gets his ass very severely kicked and he keeps coming back, but he doesn't actually um, really look dangerous mm. yeah. and so by the time he does start actually drawing blood I've, I've already got the impression that you're, you know Arnie yeah. you he's, know he's shit at fighting he's just got the the power mm-hmm. to keep coming back no matter what happened to him which doesn't make for an exciting viewing he's the weird an thing, unflushable you know. the, the unflushable. weird thing was the, um, <laughs> the rating as well they made a big thing about it being an R rated Terminator because I think people were upset about it being kind of sanitised a little bit in the last one, but it did not need to be R-rated. No. It felt like they'd put a few F-bombs and bloodshots in there just to get the rating to try and keep the fans happy. Yeah, swearing did seem um, at times a little bit nudge-nudge. Oh, we're going to say a naughty <laughs> word now. We're going to get a 15. <laughs> so, yeah, it's all right, but there's too many things wrong for me to recommend it. It's the third best Terminator film by a long way, but there's a mm. big drop after Terminator 2. Yeah. You're going to say it's the fourth best, aren't you? You're going to say you prefer Terminator 3, Andy? Uh, I think it's on a par with Salvation. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> I would give it, mm-hmm. not that anyone's asked, I would give it... <laughs> How many uh, Robert okay. Patrick scrotums? <laughs> I would give it <laughs> six tenths of Robert Patrick's scrotum. <laughs> uh, Andy, what would you give it? I'd, just the tip. <laughs> <laughs> And Hazel, would you go, would you go balls, balls deep? <laughs> Let's just leave it there. <laughs> okay, it's quiz time and Dan has come up with something. Yes, I have. Uh, it has been inspired by your recommendation this week, His Dark mm-hmm. Materials, the first episode of which starts with a written exposition dump tells you all about demons, tells you about the magisterium, rather than showing you later in the episode. So I've taken ten films that have a similar method oh, right, to introduce okay. you to their world. You've got to tell me what film these are from. Okay. From the opening text dump. Okay. 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 Mm-hmm. Thank you for that quiz, Daniel, my friend of several years who I do improv with. You're very welcome. Some exposition there. For- oh, that's very, <laughs> yes, I like it. All right. Number one. Early in the 21st century, the Tyrell Corporation advanced Blade Runner. Runner. That's a po- I'll give you both a point because you got <laughs> it at the same time. Early in the 21st century, the Tyrell Corporation advanced robot evolution into the nexus phase of being virtually identical to a human known as a replicant. 
Can I just say at this point, I'm wearing a Blade Runner t-shirt. You are. <laughs> I hoped you would get that one. <laughs> Number two. It is a lawless time. Crime syndicates. Buzz, Brexit. Oh. Buzz. <laughs> True, but not correct. Buzz. Robo- Robocop? Not Robocop. Mm. It is a lawless time. Crime syndicates compete Buzz. for resources. Dread. Nope. Crime syndicates <laughs> compete for resources, food, medicine, and hyperfuel. Ooh. Like Buzz. June? No. no. Not June. Spice, isn't it? Yeah. It is. Not Attack of the Clones, is it? It's not Attack of the Clones, but you're getting closer. Phantom Menace? Mm. Nope. Uh, what's Revenge, it of the Revenge of the Sith? Nope, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Chronologically, what comes next? New Hope. N- Solo. The- there you are, John. A point. Solo. Mm. I didn't know Solo had a text dump. It had a text dump. It? Didn't have a crawl, but it had a yeah. text dump. Because they d- differentiate the Star Wars films from the Star Wars stories by them not, not having, having a crawl. crawl. Yeah. Number three. For centuries, the Order of the Knights Templar have searched for the mythical Buzz. Apple of Eden. Is it the Da Vinci Code? It is not. Buzz. Uh, Indiana Jones and uh, Apple of Eden. Sadly not. <laughs> Buzz. Is it National Treasure? It's not National Treasure. Honk. Is it National Treasure 2? <laughs> it's not National Treasure 2. Shall I read it again? Yes. yes. For centuries, the Order of the Knights Templar have searched for the mythical Apple of Eden. Don't think anybody's going to get this one. No, I'm thinking the Knights Templar appear in a lot of. Is it the yeah. episode of The Simpsons with the Stonecutters? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> it's it Assassin's Creed. Uh, I haven't seen it. Yeah. Number four. In October of 1994, three student filmmakers disappeared Ms. in the woods. John Blair Blair Witch Project. <laughs> it is the Blair Witch Project. They disappeared in the woods near Burkittsville, Maryland, while shooting a documentary. Number five. On March 3rd, 1969, the United States Navy established an elite school for the top 1% Buzz. of its pilots. John again. Do, 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 yeah. do, do, Top Gun. It yeah. is Top Gun. Yeah. John currently leading with four points here. <laughs> Number six. The machines rose from the ashes of the nuclear Buzz. fire. Terminator. <laughs> right. Number eight. Anyone but John this time. <laughs> By 2017, the world economy has collapsed. Food, natural resources, and oil are all in short supply. Anyone but John. Uh, Mad Max. Sadly not. Road Warrior? No. Is it The Running Man? It is The Running Man. (laughs) John always reads the subtitles. Next one. From the dawn of time we came, moving silently down the centuries. Biz. Anyone but John gets a chance first. I'm not 100% on this one. Can you repeat that? From the dawn of time we came, moving silently down the centuries. <laughs> cocoon. <laughs> not cocoon. <laughs> Two girls, one cup. No. Is it, can I have a go? Yeah, no is one it, else wants it, to. Is, is it Highlander? It is Highlander. Oh. <laughs> oh, as soon as you get to there can be only one, which it probably ends with, yeah. does it? Yeah. Yeah. Number nine, John. <laughs> um, it's not even going to bother asking the rest of us In times of tyranny and injustice When the law oppresses the people The outlaw takes his place in history Robin Peter. Hood? Yes, Prince Robin Hood, but which one? Prince um, of Thieves Incorrect, John, minus, <gasps> minus seven points Oh no! Um, uh, the Patrick Bergen one 
Sadly not, no. This, this, the Sean Connery, Robin and Marion one? It's not. No, it's not the new it's terrible one. That it's not the new watched. terrible one, Russell, though that did Russell have one Crow? as well. Russell Crowe. Mm. Hazel gets a point. Oh, yay. Um, <laughs> or the other new terrible one that nobody watched. <laughs> yeah. And number 10, finally. Um, so it's now even between Peter, John and Hazel because <gasps> John lost all those points. <laughs> so this next one takes it. people answered questions incorrectly and did not lose all their points. <laughs> yeah, but you'd established a level of... Quality Competence. for yourself that meant when you got it it's wrong, you should have... It's Mario Kart where it's terrible rubber banding. <laughs> Quiz banding. <laughs> Number 10. According to all known laws of aviation, there is no way that a bee should be able to fly. This is B-movie. It is B-movie. <laughs> um, Peter wins. Yay! 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 Very, very good that. effort, John. You were almost there. I'd like to thank the Academy. I'd like to thank John for being a worthy opponent. Yeah. Okay, John, I've got a bonus one just for you. Have you seen, so before we go on to have you seen the, the two things on YouTube? Um, there's the B-movie with all the bees removed. <laughs> and there's the B-movie, but the speed of the film doubles every time someone says B. <laughs> I, I have listened to... The version of Roxanne by the police yes. where Sting's voice yeah. speeds up every time he says Roxanne. Yeah. John's bonus question. Here we go. I'll be impressed if you get this one, but also disappointed if you get this one, because you'll have seen the film. Once upon a time in the future, at midnight tomorrow, billionaire Elazar Kane will launch his new Eden missile to bring on another Ice Age. It's got to be starring Nicolas Cage. Oh. <laughs> It rings, it rings a bell, and I can't place it. Uh, this is the day after tomorrow. It is not the day after tomorrow. <laughs> no, it's a Nicolas Cage film, isn't it? I've never seen it, so I can't confirm he's in it. It came out around the time he won his Oscar. Okay, maybe... Uh, mm. No, I don't know, I'm afraid. It is the Whoopi Goldberg film, Theodore Rex. Oh, that is a great film. <laughs> she only did it because she had to pay a lot of money if she didn't. She got like, um, she agreed to do it, then read the script, and then wanted to get out in the front to sue her for like $20 million if she didn't do it. So she wasn't as brave as Kim Basinger who dropped out of um, Boxing Helena. Yeah, Theodore Rex sounds like it should be something I would like. It has got dinosaurs in it, hasn't it? It has. So it's Whoopi Goldberg is a police officer who has a talking man-sized T-Rex as her partner. Jurassic World 3. <laughs> it's better than Jurassic World 2. That's a recommendation. Um, so, yeah, what we've learned from that quiz is that John always reads the text dump at the start of the film. Mm-hmm. It saves time. <laughs> That's why I understand what's going on in films. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like you, you, you are like, why the fuck are the robots? I'm like, because they said. <laughs> I once had an argument with uh, my girlfriend at the time, and I've got a large DVD collection, and she threatened to take out all the DVDs, mix them up, and put them all back in the wrong cases. <laughs> and I'm like, it's well over a thousand, I think, if not not more, but. That switcheroo thing is, I think we should take films and just switch the text ups around. <laughs> so, like, put the text up for Blade Runner and start on driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> yeah. There was one more I was going to include for Johnny Mnemonic, which I thought you would get. Ralphie. Yeah. Again, I'm the only one that's seen this film, wasn't <laughs> yeah. I? Yeah. I have seen it. Yeah. The joke I was saying is, I've seen it, but I don't remember it, was because mnemonic is the thing that helps you remember stuff. I that's see. what I put in our messenger you, group. You were, you were too <laughs> subtle. You didn't understand the joke. 
It's weird that there was two things in the 90s with hyper-intelligent dolphins controlling the plot. Although, though we used to call it Johnny Moronic. <laughs> and Dolph Lundgren's in it as Jesus, or Jesus Dolph like or Dolphin character. Lundgren. <laughs> dolphin Lundgren. <laughs> in Rocky Fall, where, like he gets punched in the face <laughs> and just water blows out of the top. <laughs> And that is the end of another Nerdfest episode. Thank you so much for listening. Check us out on social media. We're at Nerdfest UK on Twitter and Facebook. If you would like to leave us a review, that would be awesome. Um, We'll be back in two weeks time where we're going to have another nerd court. And we're going to put Thor Ragnarok, for some reason, on trial. (laughs) Because it's awful. (laughs) Um, And we're also going to have our film buff or film bluff quiz. So until then, you've been listening to... A human exposition dump. Andy Chandler. Someone who never reads the start of a movie. H. Scarlet, you're handsome with some book fast looking for the fight. <laughs> <laughs> and balls. <laughs> Bye. 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 Smidgen of Scotsman is just enough to give yourself a treat. <laughs> <laughs>